0: Okay, everybody, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Um, yesterday, we went live with Cal uh, Breisner uh, talking about uh, climate change and all that kind of stuff from the more conservative Christian perspective. Uh, really excited about uh, today's show as well. Uh, and again, we're just knocking out one episode every day all this week. We're scheduling out for next week as well. So a lot of content to you guys uh, really quickly because I know a lot of you guys are staying at home in isolation, all that good stuff. Uh, Also, a reminder as well, we do have our membership program, which is called Plugged In. You guys can go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. You get exclusive discounts in our store. Uh, You'll have uh, exclusive access to our online conference we did, uh, Destroy Social Justice. And then for everybody who signs up for our annual uh, membership as well, you get a free copy of our book, Social Injustice. So if you sign up for the annual membership, you'll get a free copy. I'll ship it out to you, and we will be good to go. Uh really excited about today's show. Uh we've we got on Jerry Wayne coming on. You guys may know him from his recent run-in with uh with Joe Biden. And uh so we'll be talking about that and some of his uh views on this upcoming election, but welcome to Conversations and glad we could uh, sit down together.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me on.
0: Of course. And so, you know, I, before we get to the whole your 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 run-in with uh with the VP, uh, what what's your what's your background like like you know because I feel like you were you were very uh specific in your kind of confrontation with him on the Second Amendment and that sort of thing. But if you could just let people know like what's your background, what do you do, you know that sort of thing before we kind of jump in.
1: Well, my background as I my skilled trade, I'm a millwright by skilled trade. I've been a union member for about eleven years now, and uh, before that, I was just an avid hunter ever since I was a child. My dad took me out and showed me the ropes with a firearm and I, uh, that's something I hope to bring to my my kids my future kids one day that's pretty much that's pretty much my background you know that and uh you know I have a beautiful girlfriend that helps me out with everything her name's Gabrielle
0: yeah yeah. Now, now, when when uh, when Biden came over and you had the opportunity to kind of like, ask, you know, ask him, you know, some questions and stuff like w- was he just there like making like a, you know, campaign stop, you know, talking to, you know, what he would assume is like the tr- his traditional like union background, you know, people supporting him and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that's the gist that I got of it. Nobody really knew he was going to be there that day until the very morning of they told us around seven o'clock before he went out to work. We always have like a safety briefing. And they're like, "Hey, Joe Biden's coming in at around 9:30." So as soon as that happened, like the light went off, and I was like, "I gotta ask this guy a question." Yeah, I didn't know it was gonna be a questionnaire or anything, but uh, I was given the opportunity and I took it.
0: Right, for sure. And, and, and I feel like that—that's the interesting thing about a lot of these, you know, kind of campaign stops. Is a lot of times when they're running for president. It's very, like, particular. They know right where they're going. They kind of control their circumstances. They control the questions and that sort of thing. And that, that's what's interesting where you actually had the opportunity to ask them a legit question instead of kind of like a softball. Um, so, like, when you're deciding, like, what you wanted to ask them, what was going through, was going through your mind in the sense of preparing for that? Well,
1: I think that I've prepared for such an occasion for years. I just, I never thought I'd had the opportunity. You know, it's not even particular with Joe Biden. It was pretty much just any politician. I would love the opportunity to ask them a real question, not something that they they are vetted for before going on stage or something like that. And and because I, I heard him coming on, I was like, all right, like, let's do it. And I kind of had, had, had the feeling of the Grinch, you know, like I knew what my plan was already. And I, I didn't think that I'd be able to out him like I did. But I knew he wasn't going to be prepared.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so like, is your, is your background, like, in the sense of, like, are, are you more of a, you know, traditional, like, Republican? Are you more Democrat? Like, like where was that? Because I feel okay. like what, like the, the aftermath of it all has been the conservatives and Republicans, you know, totally support you. And then the Democrats are like, oh, he's just a total MAGA guy, you know, all that kind of stuff. What's your actual background?
1: Okay. Well, I never really got deep into politics as an adult. My parents—they, uh, my parents were Democrats, and I have other family members that were Republicans. And I've always been split, like left and right, and all that. Well, it wasn't even called right back then; it was just Democrat Republican. And now, now it's getting so far away. I've kind of just developed my own just my my own opinion on things. And I I wouldn't say I'm left. I wouldn't say I'm right. I'm just I'm for the working guy. And I guess you can say I'm somewhat of a constitutionalist, you know, and I think that our constitution is our foundation of America. And I don't think it should be infringed.
0: Right, right now. So so then so then, you know, Joe Biden's walking by and you get the you get the chance to, you know, talk to him directly one on one. Just for, pe- for people that maybe they haven't seen the full clip, because I know there's like short little snippets going by, like what was it that you actually had the opportunity to ask him about?
1: Oh, well, uh, I'm glad you asked that, actually. Um, I can paraphrase. I don't know if I can remember it right off the top of my head, but it was somewhere along the lines of, I, uh, my, there was actually a double question. My first question was, how, is, how does he plan to keep us union workers working, and how does he plan on making it better for us? So right now we're doing a really good job with our work. Our hours are through the roof. We're putting a lot of money away in our pensions. And he wants to get our union vote. And to get our union vote, that means you want to make it better for us. And I find uh, there's always room for improvement, but I find it hard to believe that he has a plan that's going to make it better for what we're doing right now. And he kind of skipped over that to my other question was, uh, how does he plan on getting the union vote at the same time he's trying to take one of our rights away from us? And and I at that point, I was speaking independently because I, I, there were some guys around me that weren't too happy that I was going to ask that question. I'm sure you can see in the video. Yeah. And and I, I think that I think that's the most important question, too, because you're splitting a complete demographic.
0: Right. Right. And so so then, you know, clearly he didn't take too kindly <laughs> to your question. And, you know, and I, and I feel like watching Biden through this campaign, it seems like he just he doesn't really it's, it's like he's not – obviously he's not he doesn't seem as good and as mobile in, in the sense of when people throw curveballs at him. And clearly he just got angry, like kind of out of nowhere instead of just taking the question and like deflecting like most politicians do.
1: <laughs> well, that's what I was expecting. I, I wouldn't expect him to actually let me say the question. I expected him to come out there and be like, no, we're not taking questions. Like, he sh- I think in hindsight he should have probably listened to his campaign manager. I'm assuming that's what she was. And he didn't. He you saw what happened. He hushed her. And That right there was another negative point on his part. And and as soon as he said you're full of S-H-I-T, um I, I knew he was going to dig a hole. And so that's kind of he, he kind of tried to bully me as well. He tried stepping up on me, put it in my face, and and he would look me in my eye. And something that my father always taught me is you never look away when a man's looking you in your eye.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so like what what do you make of that when you've got somebody who's campaigning? to be the president, essentially be, I mean, in all reality, be your president. And then he steps up on you like that. And it's like a full on like challenge. And, you know, from everybody's perspective, it's total disrespect, total disregard for your, you know, honest, open question.
1: Yeah, well, I think what a lot of people think is that whether they want to think like this or not, it's kind of programmed into us is that, when somebody is in a political power, like, say, the president, it's almost like we look up look up to them, which, which in some cases it's okay to do because they've done something amazing with their life. But when it comes down to it, they do work for us. And when he did step up on me, he was nothing more than just a man. Everybody is nothing more than just a man or a woman. That's all they are. And then they can have a title with it. But until he gets that spot, that's all he is. And when he does get that spot, now he works for me.
0: Yeah. And I I think that that's kind of like leads into like the broader question about the polarization that we're seeing in our country as well, because I feel like most people, when they're confronted with an opposing ideology, it seems like they get angry instead of just engage in an open and honest conversation. Because I because honestly, like I'm looking at like your question to me, it was a pretty upfront and honest, open question. That could have been the perfect opportunity for him to counter with his philosophy and explain, well, here's why I disagree with you and lay out all of his points and then try to convince you to come over to his side of the issue as opposed to just get angry. And I feel like that's what we're seeing across the country in all different you know, respects and all different people is everybody's just getting angry, polarizing, pointing fingers, getting angry instead of, and getting defensive instead of just like, okay, let's let's debate this issue.
1: No, I completely agree with that. Uh, I just think he went about it the wrong way. He could have he could have done he could have actually scored points right there, but but he didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now 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 with with you being like a union guy and I feel like a, a lot of more conservatives typically th- typically they see the union as strictly, you know, left wing or built-in democrat vote and that sort of thing. But from you as a as a union guy, what are some of the main things that you're looking for in a presidential candidate? Um, as you're looking at this 2020 uh, election cycle,
1: well, number one is don't take any of our rights away. and that's actually something I'm pushing for very hard. I don't think that the American people should ever have to choose between that. And I don't speak for unions by any way, shape or form, but a lot of unions they are they are left or they are you know they, they vote blue and that they've been taught to vote blue. but I think that they have been raised to be Democrats, but they, they and they wear that with pride. But it looks like the Democratic Party has moved away from what even they believe in. So like some of them, like they do believe in things like I do with having your guns and stuff like that. And I think that they're not leaving the party, that the party is leaving them.
0: Yeah. And, and that, that's an interesting, you know, uh, assessment of of the Democratic Party, too, because I feel like, again, we've gotten more and more polarized between the Republicans and the Democrats. But it seems like it's, you know, even just looking at from the last presidential election cycle, the Democrats have gone way further left and way more socialistic and way more, you know, big government and take rights away and that sort of thing than even uh, than even Hillary was when she was campaigning last time around. And that that's a fascinating development. Um, so like when you're looking at like especially like the Second Amendment and things like that, you know. Or do you feel like if somebody like a Biden or a Bernie or whoever whoever gets the nomination, do you feel like they're actually going to be coming for your rights? Let, let's just say – let's say
1: that they just – okay. There's another podcast earlier that kind of brought this up. So let's say that they're saying they're going to come for our guns. Like he hooked up with Beto and he thought, oh, man, this is a good way to get the demographic that Beto already got. And I think that's what a lot of politicians do. They reach for the vote. Although they may not believe in what they're saying, which I think is wrong, um, they'll reach for a certain demographic. And there's a strong there's a small group of a demographic, I believe, that is that has a loud mouth about reaching for our guns. And what Beto did is that he went out and tried to get that demographic so he can get a nominee and excuse get nominated. And when he did that and Biden kept going, he then took in Beto and tried to grab that demographic. But when he did that, he split a lot of other people up, including myself, not saying that I was advocating for Biden in the first place. But when you are trying to come after people's rights, you are an enemy of the Constitution. You're an enemy of America, at least in my book. And it seems to me that there's plenty of Americans that want me to speak up for them. And I'm going to announce that right here and now that I am speaking up for millions of Americans right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I noticed, too, is like, you know, uh, you know, I know the NRA put out a video that you were featured in as well um, and some different organizations like that. What has what the aftermath of all of this been for you?
1: Um, it's, it's been a blessing. That's what it has. Uh, God has. I believe God has willed me in this position. Um, I, I didn't ask for this, but I think something needed to be done. And I feel as if God is speaking to me every day and I, I try to be as respectful and admirable as I possibly can. Um, but the the people need a voice and I'm not too sure if I'm answering the question right now, but I feel like this just needed to be said that I, I think I'm trying to do the best I possibly can with what I have.
0: Yeah. And I and I think that to a certain degree, that's kind of why I feel like people kind of feel like they relate to you in a certain way as well, is that it's like, you're just sharing your perspective. And I feel like that's, what's yeah. missing a lot of times in the public dialogue, especially with politicians and dealing with politics is They're looking at things through an extremely vetted position where they go through all these like polls and data and all that kind of stuff to figure out what they need to say in order to get elected. Whereas I feel like, you know, people like you or even like, you know, that may even be why somebody like Donald Trump became president was because he was just talking to everyday people. It wasn't it didn't feel like this polished, uh, you know, vetted perspective. It was just, hey, I'm going to tell you what I think and take it or leave it kind of a thing.
1: Trump went in and he won because he was a loose cannon. He didn't he didn't care about what people were thinking about and what people were saying. And that's the kind of what America needed at that time. They didn't need a politician to go up there and, and just read from a book or read certain lines they wanted. And, and, and America wanted change at that point. You know, we, we were doing the same thing over and over and over. And America felt like that. We didn't have a choice. And and I, I believe that given our circumstances I'm not going to say I'm pro or against any any uh, politician whatsoever but I think we're still counteracting that right now because we're, we're so diverse and we do need a voice and I think America as uh, at least some people from America is, saw me as being a voice because we don't feel heard we don't feel heard whatsoever these politicians go up there and they make their minds up just based on the vote and they don't care about actually a- asking the majority of the populace what needs to be done
0: yeah. Yeah. And now now I you know I feel like you know that that's one of those things too is like when we're dealing with like gun rights and gun control and things like that oftentimes what they're doing is they they'll take advantage of a situation whether it's like a school shooting that was happening so often during the last presidency or whatever it is and then they try to hijack that narrative into pushing you know we need more gun control. We need more this. We need more that. And I feel like that's kind of where some of that disconnect has come with people that are gun owners is that they just feel like okay You're not actually dealing with reality. You're just hijacking a narrative, and maybe to a certain degree, that's kind of where some of this disconnect has come. Now, do you feel like even within you know the other people that are in the unions that are you know people that you work with and that sort of thing, do you feel like that's that there's a disconnect there with a lot of them that maybe traditionally do vote Democrat as well?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, You you hit the nail right on the head there. I have plenty of friends that are on the left and the right and family members that are left and the right. And it's actually split up a lot of my hangouts because people are so diverse. And the thing is, I I like to listen to people uh, no matter what what, what their thought is because I think that I grow from it. And I can tell you from both sides, their heart is in the right place. Uh, The the heart is in the exact same place. It's just the way about going about, about it to change things their mind are in very opposite places and i think that we need to find a middle ground there and we need to prove something that's wrong i think some people on the left are looking for a quick fix but i don't think it's the correct fix and people on the right they want to keep that they want to keep their guns and they i think that they know what the fix is but it's just going to take longer and people want something to happen now
0: yeah yeah and and so so in, in all really when it comes to this to like the gun debate right what is it, from your perspective, that you feel like is is so important about protecting uh, the Second Amendment and, and the right to to bear arms? Like for for you, you're looking at that, and you, it's a it's a, it clearly an important issue to you. But what about it is so vitally important?
1: With absolute power, let's see. Um, well, when you have when you when you, I was going to say something, but let's just say, let's say you do get rid of the guns, right? Then who? Who is there to go against that person? You have absolutely nothing. So let, let's say they want to go in there and they want to take your guns. Let's say their heart really is in the right place and, and even their mind is. Let, let's say that's what they want to do. And we go through years and years and everything's just fine. And then we get somebody, just one person or multiple people that go in office in, in, the, in this, these houses and then they want to be tyrannical. What do we do then? Just because one person's a good soul doesn't mean that they all are
0: yeah and, and i th- and I think that, that that's that's an important distinction to make because a lot of times uh people that are that are pro gun control they'll say well, we're not trying to take away your right to go hunting or you know we're not we're you know you shouldn't have let's say military grade weapons or whatever it is you know let maybe a maybe a pistol, maybe a handgun you know something like that just to protect yourself in your in your home kind of a thing but i but I feel like at a certain point. Looking at looking at it historically, our founders wanted it to where we could protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. And that's something that's right. that I think has totally been taken out of the broader conversation over gun control. It's not about hunting, it's not about everything else, although that is encapsulated in all this, but it's also to protect ourselves from big government.
1: That's right. And that that's I think that is the the mission that I'm on right now. I'm sure that you saw that NRA video. Which I wrote most of that, by the way. I, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to say what other people wanted to put me in, put words in my mouth, and and I will never do that, by the way. I I want. That's what I'm trying to advocate for is that we don't need an excuse anymore to protect our homes, to protect our loved ones, or just to go hunting. We need these weapons to protect from a tyrannical government, and we need it now more than ever. Look what's happening. They're trying to take them away. The tyrannical government is upon us, and we need to stand up now. And it can't just be me; it needs to be America.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and so like when when we're looking at this, and we're looking at you know because we, we saw Australia and they and they they did like a buyback program, um, and I know that that's been proposed by a lot of people here here in the United States on the left as well. And I I just I feel like what's happening is they're doing this under the name of sympathy and caring for our children and caring for you know victims of violence and that sort of thing. But then again, at the same time, it's like they're taking away our very ability to defend ourselves and, so, and some of the people that actually need to be able to protect themselves, whether they live in like a poor neighborhood or they live in a, where there's a lot of crime or they're just somebody that maybe they're not, you know, buffed out and worked out and be able to defend themselves with their hands. But they need they need something to protect themselves. And it's like if you want to be sympathetic then actually do something to help those that actually need protection. And I feel like that's what's missing from the left in this conversation.
1: No, I completely agree with you on that. I think it's ridiculous that their guns have been been taken away, that buyback, what they're making it look like, oh, we're just going to give you money for it. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I tell you what, they can do that to all these other countries. And I think that they'll be safe from genocide. But you know why? That's because of us. We are the Alamo. If we fall, the rest of the world will fall. We can fall under control of of the tyrannical government all over the place. We have to make this stand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like a a lot of our a lot of our rights and a lot of the a lot of the rights that are protected by the constitution are being slowly chipped away. And you know, there there is the, obviously the second amendment, but there's also freedom of speech that we're seeing like a a lot of that happening Absolutely. as well, especially on social media um and things like that. Like what what's what's your kind of take and assessment of kind of what's going on when it comes to a lot of these rights that we're seeing being taken away from us?
1: Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too. So, when I stood up and I asked uh, Mr. Biden about those questions about our second amendment I also was fighting for our first amendment because there was a lot of people around me and like so that's societal norms that didn't want me to say anything and I stood up against them I stood up against being an outcast amongst my peers to stand up for the second amendment and I think that's what the rest of America does, uh, needs to do um, one of my idols Jordan Peterson uh, I, I love Jordan Peterson great guy I recommend everybody uh, reading him you need to you need to be able to stand your ground on things. And when you stand your ground on something, don't apologize for it. I think I think that's what the right needs to start doing and or even the left. be it as a may, Stand your ground on something and don't apologize for it. but also be open to listening to the opposition at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that a lot of times I always say is like believe what you believe as strongly as you can declare what you believe, but always be open to hear somebody else's perspective, because they may make you reevaluate your position, but don't be apologetic for your position. I feel like that's what's been missing on the Republican side for so many years before we got President Trump, was you would have people like McCain or Mitt Romney, and it seemed like every time we turned around, they were apologizing for being too harsh or misspeaking or whatever it is, and I feel like we needed somebody like Trump to come in, and where he was just unapologetic, he's like, yep, I said that, <laughs> and that's what we right. need more. I think right now.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think that we do need someone to, to stick to their guns for sure. I also believe that uh, there is a time and a place to apologize for something. If you do make a some mistake and genuinely do it, and and make a mistake, I do think you should say I'm sorry. But I think a lot of people say they're sorry just because there's an outrage of it, and and you you can't you can't back down to that. I think that shows a weak person.
0: Right, right. Now, now for now for you, like you know, because again, you you kind of took a stand right there, it, you know, especially with a lot of people around you that disagree with you and that sort of thing. So, what what's been what's been the response from a lot of your peers and the people around you, uh, f, you know, for you essentially confronting the Democratic, <clears throat> essentially presumptive nominee?
1: Yeah. So at first, it was uh, it wasn't nice. Uh, a lot of people were not happy with what I did whatsoever. But then uh, some of my other peers that were, you know, gun activists, or, and even some that are gun activists who didn't like me too much, they ended up showing them the video like, hey, you got to watch this video. This is actually what he said. And I was, uh, I think I was pretty articulate with what I said and, and to the point. And I have gotten quite the following after these people have uh, looked at what I actually said. I came into work and I was... It, it was like I was a celebrity. It was insane. I couldn't get any work done. I was just, I was walking around and I was just sworn by people. And it, and it felt really good. And, but at the same time, it, it felt bad. It felt bad that we had to wait this long to feel like we had a voice. Yeah. And, and, and I, I look on, I look forward to, to sticking to my guns on that.
0: Right, right. And, and, I, and I think that, that that's the interesting thing too, about, especially within the, the conservative movement and, and a lot of people that do support the second amendment and a lot of these rights that we're trying to protect is that like a lot of times we'll, we'll congregate and we'll prop up somebody like, like yourself who takes a stand. But at the same time, I wish more people would take a stand and it wasn't so out of the norm in order to do something like that to me, that should be like an everyday thing that everybody's doing. And I feel like that's maybe something that's missing right now on the, on the more, you know, pro second amendment, pro constitution side of the debate.
1: You're right. Um, there was there's two schools of thought with that. Um, well, one is people don't want to stand up to people because of fear. Fear will stunt growth, and and I think that people needed to to get away from that fear. But there's also another thing you need to you need to be able to articulate what you want to say and not be aggressive on it. You want you don't want to go up to somebody and be like, "You got to think this way, or bad things are going to happen, or something like that." And that's not the way to evolve us as not only as a nation, but as a species, people forget we are an actual species and a very special one, one that has, has the divine and we need to think more deeper with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so like, you know, as, as we're like kind of progressing along in this like election cycle, we're, we're coming up, we're coming up now to where it's pretty much going to be Biden versus Trump. And I feel like to a certain degree, it's going to be a very stark, uh, you know, division between, between the left that is looking to take away gun rights, looking to take away freedom of speech, looking to even take away freedom of religion and all these things. And Trump, who has been pretty hardcore, you know, second amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, all that kind of stuff. Like, do you, do you feel like there's, do you feel like there's enough people in the middle that are undecided that they're like, you know, we, we got to support freedom. Or do you feel like people are kind of being swayed to the Biden side of things where they're just kind of like, well, we need to protect the, the weaker people or, you know, take care of people and the sympathy and stuff. But, you know, and part of that is taking away rights. Like, what's your assessment on that kind of thing?
1: Um, I think it was like that. And I think that what happened with Joe Biden, I think that it's woken a lot of people up to actually see a different side of things. And I think that, I, I don't want to say that they're going to go a certain way left or right, but at least it woke them up to where they can start thinking for themselves. And that's another reason why I'm not advocating for any type of president or a presidential candidate. I think that people need to make up their own decision, and I don't want to try to push people a certain way. You are an individual. You're an individual mind. You're an adult. You, this is a responsibility, and you need to take it wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's that's a good approach to take as well because I think, I think that what ends up happening is when we start uh, debating over uh, individuals and people – then a lot of times there's like a lot of baggage. Like, for example, with somebody like Trump, there's a, there is a lot of background and a lot of baggage and a lot of issues that people just like are turned off by. Right. Even though they may agree with him on a lot of principles. But if we're talking about the principle side of things and forget the person, but it's like we should be protecting the Second Amendment. We, we should be protecting our constitutional rights. Then people can then change, maybe change their worldview and then they can decide, okay, which candidate actually fits that worldview instead of just fighting over an individual yes. personality, you know?
1: Yeah, you shouldn't have to. Just because you voted for somebody doesn't mean you have to believe
0: uh, or agree
1: with every single thing that they did. I think some people get sucked into that. You do not have to do that. I am terribly sorry. I've been doing podcasts all day, and yeah. my phone's going to die. No but worries. Would you mind giving me just a short minute, and I can switch spots so I can put a charger in? Of
0: course. No problem. No I am problem sorry,
1: everybody out there. It's, it's all good. It's the first time it's happened. I'm so sorry. No, no worries. Moment. It's all good. Yep.
0: So yeah, so so yeah, so while he is uh while he's going over there and uh ch- just plugging his phone in really quick, uh just wanted to remind everybody as well that we do have uh Sam Jones' new book is going to be coming out um later later this year, probably sometime in the summer. It's called Five Steps to Kill a Nation. And what he's what he's actually doing is he's is he's breaking down a lot of the uh, moral breakdown that we're seeing in our country, um, and then he's and then he's giving the conservative and biblical response to uh, to those issues. So he's taken five. He's going to take five different issues, and he's going to break them all down and uh, and give a biblical, uh, honest, conservative uh, response to it. And so um, I highly recommend, go ahead, you guys can pre-order that book. If you go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store, you can actually pre-order that book right now. You can use code JEFF, J-E-F-F, and um, and you'll get uh, 10% off of your order. And uh, so, yeah, I highly recommend that. Go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store. Uh, you guys can do that. Again, code JEFF, you get 10% off. Uh, give me just one second. I'm going to get Jerry back on here uh, right now. Just bringing him on as we speak. Hey there. And we are, we're back. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, like, I I don't know. I, I feel like kind of, kind of one of the things that we've been, um, that we've been, that we've been dealing with, I think, right now as we're going into this election cycle is that people are polarized off of the personality. And maybe to a certain degree, we're not often as uh, polarized on the issues because I feel like to a certain degree, I feel like the majority of the Americans do want freedom. Like they, like for themselves, they want their personal property rights. They want their right to say whatever they want. But for whatever reason, as soon as you get like a personality involved, like a Bernie or a Biden or a Trump, all of a sudden, everybody just picks a team and then just goes along with whatever they say. What's, what's your take on that kind of a thing as well?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a big issue right now. Um, pe- people don't want people see a certain personality and they're like, well, I don't like that guy. I don't like who he actually is. But us as Americans, we have to look at what they stand for. We're not going to like everybody's personality. If we did, we'd all be the same person. And we, we even do things as individuals that we don't like that we did in the past. You know, everybody has something that they regretted doing. So I don't think it's an, uh, the personality is as, an, is as important as what they what they stand for. And not only what they stand for, but what they stand for and they are able to back up into the, in the future as well.
0: Right, right. So, so like, so like from, from your end again, as we're as we're kind of in this whole big conversation over, over everything that's going on, especially as we've got the election cycle and all that. What are what are some of the the main things besides like um, like the Second Amendment and that, and that sort of thing that you are looking for in the in the overall broader debate? Um, that you feel like are important for Americans to really being a pay- paying attention to.
1: You said aside from the Second Amendment. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now now we're getting into a lot of a lot of deeper stuff. So first of all, my my motion right now is for the Second Amendment. That's the most important thing in this election, hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to I, I want to see I want to see congressional term limits. The fact that nobody is pushing for this is another another red flag. Um, the American people want it. Every American wants it. I have never met an American that doesn't want it. And the fact that this isn't being pushed is a red flag all the way around.
0: Yeah, and and that that's an interesting perspective too, because because it's it's one of those things that I feel like people both that are Democrats and Republicans seem to be, seem to that, that's consensus. That's something that I feel like we could, we could easily pass if it was up to the American people. But obviously, yeah. for term limits, we're looking at the our congress uh, men and women to actually put limits on themselves (laughs) and that's what ted
1: cruz did did say he wanted to do that by the way just for the record
0: right yeah and, and i know that i know that you know ted cruz has made a big deal about that and there's been a handful of others as well but for whatever reason it's like they don't want to limit themselves and that's part of the problem that i that i'm kind of seeing with the with the way things are set up right now is it's like the american people want it but they're just not going to do it because it's it's not self serving. And uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. And I feel like that's that's something that would be important. So that way, people are the, the people that we're electing are actually doing our bidding as opposed to constantly just looking to get reelected every two years or four years or six years or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, that's that's why the the American people feel like they have to look up to people that are on Capitol Hill, and that is not the America that was that was intended. That is something. Something happened to where they're able to have a power or a stranglehold over the American people, and that has to change. And that has to change now. Yeah,
0: and, and I think I think it was when I, you know, because because I, um, I saw you interviewed on uh, with, with Dave Rubin on Rubin Report, um, and I think that that was one of the one of the points that you were making is that, um, is that we need to remember that politicians are supposed to be public servants. And they're supposed to be serving sure. our interests, not the other way around. And I and I feel like at a certain point, once they get power, it just seems like they see us as pawns instead of it being the other way around, and they're supposed to be doing our bidding. And it's it's a really weird uh, issue that I feel like I'm not really sure how to fix. Maybe that would be the term limits, but I'm not sure. But it's it's a really interesting issue that I'm not really sure entirely how to resolve.
1: Well, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And then you have these lifelong politicians that are standing there, and they're making laws on people that they don't live around. I don't see any politicians with dirt under their nails. I don't see any politicians mowing their own lawns. I don't see these politicians going to the grocery store all the time, just like normal people. You know, but, but I, it could be just because I don't, I'm not with them. But you know what? I sure as heck don't work with them. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like to have all these childcare issues. They don't know what it's like to struggle anymore. They've been in there so long, they have they lost connection to what it's like to be a true American.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and again, there's, if if there were those term, term limits, then they would have to go back and they have to live under the very laws that they passed. And I feel like that's why that, that kind of a law would be so important is that, no longer would would they be just passing laws for everybody else. They would actually have to be go and live with the repercussions. And maybe they may when they're coming up to you know the end of their second term, they may be like, "Yeah, you know what? I don't want to pass that because I don't want to live under that when i'm when I'm out in the real world.
1: That's right. And that's the way it should be because they're passing laws that are they that doesn't pertain to them. And I do think that we should I, I haven't given this a ton of thought, but it, it would nice to be to have another branch of government that is governed by the people. And and we can actually make laws based on what the congressional term limits are or what their health care is or what their wages are. And I think that their wages should uh, should be uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It should rebound from what they are doing with the economy. Like if, if we're not doing well, then they shouldn't either.
0: Yeah. That's a that would that would be an interesting uh, perspective to add on, like a fourth branch that would be more like democratic and that sort of thing. I haven't um,
1: given that a ton of thought, so don't quote me on that completely. No, no, it's just, it just kind of a top
0: of the head thing. Yeah, but see, like that—that's one of the interesting things about having this kind of like podcast is—is is, you know we can throw ideas out there and kind of see where they go. Yeah. But I but I feel like that's one that's one of those things that that might add an added layer of accountability to our governmental system um, because you'd be you'd be actually physically hearing like, okay, this is what the people want. And then, you know, maybe, maybe then that proposal then goes before the Senate or Congress or whatever it is. But that would be an interesting, you know, fourth layer to add more accountability. Cause I feel like right now the, judici- the judicial system doesn't really have accountability. The house and the Senate doesn't really have that much, that much accountability. And so that, that would be an interesting, uh, interesting thing to explore, I think.
1: Yeah, so we don't need bigger government to govern the people. We need more people to govern the government. That's what we need.
0: Right, right, for sure. And and so, like, I I, th- I think the I think that the other side of it, uh, you know, kind of coming back to the Second Amendment as well, is like, what what's your take on on when it comes to like because for the longest time we were seeing like a lot of school shootings. We were seeing a lot of like kind of more mass shootings. Things were happening in, happening in public, and there was this debate over whether it was going to be a better thing in order to, um, have gun-free zones. And I mean, obviously there's still the debate, but gun-free zones versus, you know, non-gun-free zones. And, and I feel like what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it, make it to where from a legal standpoint, no guns allowed, but then there's the argument being made that, you know, well, that's inviting in a shooter, inviting in an attacker. Like, you know, as somebody who is pro second amendment, what's your take on these gun-free zones?
1: Yeah, I think having a gun-free zone is like having a new puppy and then putting him to the living room and telling him that it is a no-chew zone. That's what you're doing. It's a, it, you're not helping anybody out with that. And and I think I, I'm one of those people that says, the only thing that can stop a, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And we saw that happen in Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's the interesting thing. Is it's like, for whatever reason, what it seems like whatever... Whatever laws or whatever ideas are being pushed by a lot of these anti-Second Amendment people, it seems to do the very opposite of what they're promising it'll do. And I feel like that's one of those things with, the, with these gun-free zones is whether it's a school or a church or whatever it is, if there's nobody to defend you, I, I don't understand how we're supposed to just rely on the police to show up 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes later, and there's no pushback against a shooter or violence or whatever that might be. That, it just doesn't make any logical sense.
1: No, I completely I completely agree with you 100% on that. You pretty much nailed that. I can't really, really even uh, go off of that. that. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, when we're, when we're looking at, like, you know, new laws that should go in place, do you feel like if, if we're looking at people to elect into Congress, what kind of gun laws do you feel like should be enacted? Do you feel like it should be undoing current regulations, just enforcing what we already have? Like, what, what's your take on that kind of a thing? You know,
1: I, I do think that what we have is what is working pretty well. And I don't think that, I think some people are sick out there. And I, I'm open to hearing other people's suggestions on that. I don't have all the answers. I don't. But I think that we need to come together and actually brainstorm things and actually see what works and, and work towards uh, an inner middle on that. But and under no way, shape, or form are we going to take the guns away. But I'm definitely open to other suggestions on fixing the issue.
0: Yeah. Now, now, do you, do you feel like that would be like more like expanding, uh, you know, background checks? Because I feel I know that that's a, that's a big one coming fr- coming from the left. That I know some people on the right have been also been open for. Do you feel like that would be something that uh, should sure, be or, considered, or even
1: even a little bit more of a waiting period or something like that? That that could work work as well. You know, like I think that I think some people on the left and the right do make very strong arguments, but I think that we're right at the tip here with with figuring out what we need to do and. When it it comes down to it, 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 this all starts at home. This all starts at a very young age. And we need to teach children what the importance is of gun safety and not just leave them abyss and and let them figure it out when they're an adult because they don't know. We need to make this a normality. We are the United States of America, and we were built on arms. This is is how we were made. We need to make this a normacy and not something that shouldn't be talked about.
0: Yeah, there may be somewhat, and again, I'm just throwing things off the top of my head on this as well, but there may be somewhat of a disconnect between city life versus more rural life or, you know, even like blue-collar America as well. Because, like, if you're living in, like, downtown Los Angeles, you may not need, you know, self-protection in that sense, although there's definitely some, some, some areas where you might need that. But in the sense of like, it's not like, it's not like you're out, out working on a farm or you're, it's not like you're out somewhere where you've got like a lot of crime or break ins or whatever that might be. You may just feel like, I don't need that. And if I live in a condo or an apartment, I don't need some, my next door neighbor with, with a weapon, right? So there may be somewhat of a disconnect going there between rural America and urban America that maybe, if both sides maybe started talking and actually debating and sharing experiences, maybe either side would kind of come to have more of an understanding of what the other side's actually looking at. That may be part of the disconnect that we're seeing too.
1: Yes. I think the disconnect is actually being stems from so a social disconnect, which is starting from uh, phones. Now you look, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking 34, 34. Okay. Yeah. I'm 30. You and I both grew up before cell phones. And then we get to see how, how things have changed with cell phones. And it is tearing the social, the social construct, social fabric of, of Americans. We are no longer able to look each other in the eye and have a conversation. What we're doing is we're all having our own platform on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. And you're able to have a megaphone and speak whatever you want to people and not have to listen to them as well. And that's something else that needs to be taught in schools is actually how to debate. Debate should be in every single every single school. It should be a mandatory class because it, what it does is it opens up people's minds to opposition. We're not always going to agree on things, but we need to be able to hear each other and actually be able to combat their reason.
0: Yeah, and and that's where something like something like Twitter and social media historically has has been a really good thing because a lot of people have been especially on Twitter have been able to participate in debates. But then all of a sudden the last couple of years it seems like with the new algorithms and the censorship that's going on, it's like what they're doing is they're funneling everybody into like-minded conversations to where you're yes. only seeing people that you, that you agree with. And you're not actually seeing opposing point of views, and I feel like when that happens, then all then all you're doing is you're just having conversations with people you like, and then bashing people that you disagree with, and it's not like that might that might be part of this whole polarization you know side of it yep. as well.
1: Oh yeah, that's a that's a perfect way to put it. What it's doing is it's creating small mobs of people, so it's kind of like you know how when you're younger and you're with your group of boys and you go somewhere and you feel like you're the baddest guy in the world because you got your group of boys. That's what it's doing. That's what it's doing to all these different different platforms. People are, let's say that you're on the left. Okay, well, then even even people on the left have their different constructs of of, uh, social norms, too. So they get in their little groups. And what it does is we're all becoming individual groups. What we need to do is we got to find what we, people have been saying this for years, we got to find what we have in common, not find what we don't have in common.
0: Yeah, and I fe- and I feel like when it comes to a, like a lot of different issues, you know, especially even with uh, gun control and things like that, there are a lot of things that we do agree on, and you know, and that that could go for the pro life issue, it could go for freedom of speech, it could be for any of those things. But for whatever reason, it's like we can't pa- we can't just pass the things that we agree on. We have to fight over the things that we disagree on And until we f- supposedly come to an agreement on that. We can't actually pass the laws on the stuff that we agree on. It's like why don't we just start with the easy stuff? You know, like maybe we maybe we can all come to, to a consensus on, let's say, background checks. Let's forget all the banning of the guns for right now, because that's what everybody dis- disagrees on. But let's come to an agreement on something small. That's at least a step in the right direction, right?
1: Yes, it's at least it's at least a first stitch. You know, like if we can come together and make a stitch on something, that's great. And not only that, like, let's say we get the guns out of the way. We, we, let's say that we we keep our guns for right now. And we can start moving on that. There's a lot of other things that we can build on together too, like like congressional term limits or well, I, I never met somebody that doesn't want to save the bees. You know, the, that, that is a major issue right now. And that's not, I know that's not why I'm not on here, but that's something that the left and the right can come together on and we can finally do something together. Let's do something together and then maybe find something else that we can do together. And then maybe we'll, we can start to get a kind of a rapport with each other and work on other things because we are very, very divided right now as a nation.
0: Yeah. And and I think and I think that's something that we're that us as like non-politicians and the non-elite need to remember, too, is that this is going to have to be, in my opinion, from the ground floor up uh, in order to actually pull something like this off. Because right now, the politicians, they want to be fighting with each other because that's how they raise money. That's how they get reelected. If there's a fight. Then they can raise money off of that fight. So to them, that maybe they don't necessarily want to uh, resolve the issue. But you and I, or you know anybody else that's not necessarily a politician, it's going to kind of take us forcing the politicians to do our will. And maybe our will is, hey, let's pass these small little things, or else, hey, you know what, we're not going to reelect you. And that may be that may be what's going to change Washington D.C. to a certain degree.
1: No, I completely agree, and I think that we have a we should have a new way of how to elect individuals we need individuals that are just average working americans to be able to obtain political office and and we're not able to do that i mean look around you 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 aren't going to work with somebody then all of a sudden they're running for the president of the united states that's not happening anymore it's not like that you need to have money in politics and that's not the way our forefathers wanted this to be and i actually do have an idea that i'm drawing up that we we can do that and yeah. that, that that'll be coming soon
0: Okay, that that's very cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to, to hearing about that. So, um, so you know, as as we're kind of like wrapping up as well, but like, at, for you, what what's next for you? What do you, what are you looking at doing yourself? Because I feel like you've been kind of you know propelled up into the forefront. You, you know, like I, I remember when I first messaged you about coming on the podcast. I think you had like. 700 followers and all of a sudden now you're like what 12 13 thousand something like that
1: yeah somewhere around there. It's, it's getting up pretty quickly quickly for sure and uh, just I have you have your you and your audience to thank for that And uh, I'm only as strong as you guys want me to be that's it And uh, I, I will be the tip of the spear for as long as you want me to be as well I have been reached out by multiple people that want to help out me help me out, you know uh, to so I can hit this full steam and obviously I do want to make some sort of income to do this. So, you know, I'm not trying. That's not what I'm here for. But I, I'm going to start touring, guys. I'm going to start touring the United States, if not the world. And uh, that, like, there's a lot of people that are willing to help me out on this. And I, it's the American people that are helping me out on it. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of different events. And we're going to we're not going to I will not stop until it is political suicide to mention taking one of our rights. So you, there is a lot more to come. I can't plug everything right now. There's just there's so much going on. Um, but if people want to find out what's going on, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all as Jerry Wayne AR14.
0: Definitely, and and so you know, definitely let us know. Like you know, as as you're putting anything out, we'll definitely help out however we can get the message out there, all that kind of stuff. Because I feel like this is this is something that's important that we actually you know push for, we fight for, we do protect our rights. And as American, I mean, historically, that's the American way is like we just go out there, we campaign and we we change minds through having a better rational argument. And I feel like that's that's what's needed. And I, and I really appreciate, you know, you going out there and doing that.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm all I, I'm doing this because somebody has to. I'm not doing this because I, I wanted to do it. I'm not doing it because this is a personal gain for me. I'm doing it because I was just being myself when I talked to Joe Biden and America saw that and they they they've. It's almost as if they've asked me to do it, you know, like, and if they want me to do that and they need someone to do it, I, I'm beyond blessed to, to, to do that for the American people. It is, it is such an honor and I would do anything and everything in my power to not let any of you down. I, I hand to God. You definitely.
0: Definitely. Well, you know, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel I feel like this these kinds of conversations we need to have more, especially about a lot of these political issues that that we're going to be debating over the next several months leading up to this next election. And this Second Amendment issue is definitely one of the top issues that is going to be the stark divide between, you know, Biden and Trump in the debates leading up to this election.
1: I'm sorry. You can say that part. While well, the last part you kind of
0: went out there. Oh, sorry about that. You know, I, I was just, I was just saying that, you know, like th- this issue of the Second Amendment is definitely going to be one of those things that's going to be a stark dividing point between the two presidential candidates leading into November. Yes. And so it, I'm really I'm really thankful for you coming on and actually having this conversation because it's definitely something that we need to be you know discussing more and talking through.
1: Yeah, it's an absolute honor to be on your show. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you. Of course. Thank you. So everybody as well, you guys can go follow uh, him over on social media. Um, uh, thanks so much for everybody tuning in as well. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be uh, back on, uh, I believe we're going to have on Pastor Sam Jones. We're going to be talking about uh, the coronavirus and how the government is, is shutting down like a lot of churches and uh, what we can do about that as well. Uh, so make sure we tune in tomorrow and we're going to be back every day putting putting out new shows uh again more information go to gatekeepersonline.com thanks so much for tuning in see you guys tomorrow